You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Hey, everybody. Our guest today on the e-commerce marketing show is Val Geisler. Val is the queen of onboarding teardowns. This is your bio, by the way, Val. I'm reading this. Founder of Fix My Churn, and she's an email conversion strategist and copywriter, which, to be honest, is the real reason I wanted to have her come on the show because the cool part about the internet sometimes, and sometimes on Twitter, it's not always great, but every now and then you find someone awesome, and that's how I kind of got connected with Val and I've seen her stuff. She's one of the best copywriters out there. And so I wanted to have her come on to go deep on copywriting because we don't want just to give you the fluff about e-commerce and marketing. I want to try to bring on some of the best tactical practitioners that are actually doing it. And I think Val is one of those people. So, hey, Val, thanks for uh, doing this show. Hey, I'm stoked to be here. Sounds like super stalkery, but (laughs) I've looked at your face a lot over the last two years because I use your Drift welcome email in a lot of examples of a great welcome email. And there's a screenshot of a video of you in that welcome email. And I don't know if it changed over the years. And so it's in a talk of mine that I give a lot. And yeah, it's good to finally actually talk to you and not just look at a screenshot of you. Well, you just scratched so deep because that's like one of my favorite marketing things ever. And I I think it's the just saying, hey, email. And it's like, hey, I just want to send you an email and let you know that even though this is automated, I'm a real person. My name is Dave and I'm on the marketing team at Drift, blah, blah, blah. That email... I used to get like 50 to 70 responses per week in my inbox. And unfortunately, we ended up changing and I had to turn it off <laughs> because, because of it was, the- yeah, which is like probably not the right answer because there's got to be a way to scale that because it was so good that, that, that email got us customers. I hired two people who were on our email list that came from there. It was really cool. So that's cool to see that you found that. I don't doubt that. And I used it as an example to all kinds of crowds like B2C, e-commerce, even like B2B. I was like, yeah. Dave's sitting like in front of his laptop in a hoodie with a hat on. Like there's like a fire alarm on the back wall or something. I mean, it's just like you just walked into a room and recorded this thing. You don't need to be super buttoned up and like in your copy in anything really that you do. And that's true in B2B. Like people are like, well, B2B, we're selling to businesses and these are business people. I'm like, yeah, they're business people. They are still people. They are humans who are reading an email, they're interacting, and they recognizing that there's a person who sat down and wrote that email, it's huge. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Exactly. And the fun part is, now I'm in this e-commerce world, and what I'm learning is that this thing that I love, which is copywriting and understanding people and psychology... I almost feel like those lessons apply even more to e-commerce. So tell me about that. I knew you'd kind of nod your head to that, right? So how do you think about where copywriting fits in the e-commerce, in the e-commerce kind of playbook? First of all, copywriting fits in, actually, maybe we should start with like, what is copywriting? Because people think like, well, copywriting is content. It's the same, like it's the same thing. And it's not. Copywriting is advertising copy. It's something that makes people want to do something. Content is educational copy or informational. So content belongs on your blog. Copy is something that is converting a feeling, an emotion, an action. It's not always action-based. Sometimes it can just be 
eliciting an emotion, uh, eliciting a response. But copy always asks people to do something. Content is information that you're giving people. And that's what I think, like I wrote content for a while and I, I mean, I still, I create content every day and write it on my blog and on my new YouTube channel and all those things. Like that's all content. That's great. But this kind of science and fun of it is in the copy. I think I tweeted something yesterday, the day before that was like, copywriting is the one skill that will make you more money and help you get out of trouble. And, and like, I think you're right in that caring about copywriting has helped me send like, passive aggressive emails to our kids daycare, you know, about something that's going on over there. It's helped me sell more stuff. It's, you know, I'm always the one that my wife or my friends or my dad will be like, Hey, can you help me write this? I gotta, I gotta find a way to send this. And I think that's an amazing skill to be able to apply to business. A hundred percent. And like the biggest lesson in copywriting is to sell the benefits, not the features. And that's true in SaaS e-commerce in what you want from your daycare you know, what you need from your uncle, all of those things in life. I mean, copywriting has made me a better mom. <laughs> I actually think of this all the time because so many of copywriting lessons are like great parenting lessons, like yeah. be specific, go line by line and hold their hand until you get them to do exactly what you want them to do. Paint a visual picture, provide yeah. options, but not too many. <laughs> don't talk about what you don't want them to do. Talk about what you do want them to do. There's this parenting book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. It's a great marketing book. Like everyone should get it and read it from the standpoint of being a marketer. And some of the best lessons in marketing can be found in parenting books. I want to talk about specific e-commerce copywriting yeah. plays with you because I want to get really tactical. And I think that's the, I think the reason that you talked about that screenshot, people love that screenshot because it's real. It's an actual yeah. thing that somebody sent. And so I want to get into that with you in a little bit, but I want to talk to the entrepreneurs and the kind of small and growing e-commerce store owners who are like, that's great. These two marketing nerds talking about copywriting. I'm not a copywriter. How can I get better at copywriting? Or I don't have the time to do it. If I'm a founder or entrepreneur in the commerce, like give me, give me some advice. What would you tell me? Well, so here's what's cool about email specifically, email copywriting, since that's the world I live in, is that email scales for you. And so if you're a team of four people and you think like, we don't have time to do all these things, you set up a sequence once, set up one cadence, a welcome cadence. I think e-commerce focuses a lot on transactional emails. And if you put that same effort into setting up a welcome sequence, it then does work for you day in and day out. You know, you don't have to go back and, and do those things. Yes, you have to reply to the inbound emails that come from your email. But as you mentioned, that reply, that level of reply is an indicator of success. Whenever I talk about that and people be like, well, uh, Dave, I have a question. Yeah, you in the back. Um, how can you spend an hour a day responding to these people? I'd be like, what a first class problem to have is like that uh, there's so many people responding to this inbound thing that we created. Like, I damn well better make an hour to make sure that we respond to all those. There's going to be nobody better as far as a lead or somebody interested in our business than those people. So let's make time to do it. Even if it means we're going to go hire somebody full-time to just sit there and respond to those emails. Yeah. How can you not respond is my answer to that, right? Like it's not only potential customers for your business. It is copy writing for you, right? Like I always joke with my clients that I'm not a, I always say like, I'm not a copywriter. I am a copywriter, but I'm a copy paster. 
because I do surveys and do interviews with their customers. And then I quite literally copy out of the survey responses and plop it into an email subject line, into body copy, into a button text. It's that straightforward that like replies to your emails should be considered gold because it's your customer's words right out of their mouth and their problems that they're facing right in front of you. And you can turn around and put that in an email. You can put it as the headline on your website and you can use it in so many ways. So I think like, why would you not want to spend an hour replying to people? You know, it builds relationships. You hit on such an important thing, which is like, I actually think copywriting to me is rarely like this magic flow state and you're just writing. It's, it's much more like stitching different pieces together. And then like, you're copying and pasting something from an Amazon product review, a Shopify store review, uh, somebody, something texts, you know, texts you another headline you looked up and like, you're trying to find ways to stitch that together. Those words are absolute gold. And I think most people overthink copywriting in that you're not trying to write some original poem. You're trying to say the thing closest to your potential customer's actual inner thoughts. And oftentimes today online, people are saying those things to you directly. Yeah. It helps define your brand too, because I think early on, a lot of people, especially in e-commerce, we create a product either to solve our own problem because I wanted this. And so I'm going to make it for me. And well, I have to order 50 of them, so I should sell them. And then it becomes a business. Like that's quite often what happens, especially with small shops. And so you create a product and then you think that you are the only person who contains the answers as to why someone wants this product. But really, there are so many possibilities for why somebody wants this product. And it's likely that your customers fall into a couple of different job categories. So a framework that I like to use is called Jobs to be Done. It's really popular in the SaaS world. And I love things that carry over from SaaS to e-commerce. There's so much, especially if you run a subscription e-commerce business. Study SaaS and see what they do because that's like their whole livelihood is MRR. So following the jobs to be done framework, it's essentially saying, what is the job that the customer is hiring my product to do? And so whether you sell like a loose leaf tea filter or jet planes, there are multiple different jobs that need to be done for your customer, right? So understanding what those jobs are and letting people kind of filter into different categories and talking to enough of your customers either through email replies or actual customer interviews and surveys and things, talking to them and figuring out what those jobs are and then speak to that. Don't talk about, you know, that your loose leaf tea filter has a rubber gasket or how many millions of holes are in the container. I don't know, like all the different features. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what grade of stainless steel you used. Like they really don't. They care about all those things after they find out what you care about, that you care about tea that tastes different than out of, you know, whatever you buy off the shelf at the grocery store. Like the moment of sitting down and making a cup of tea and how important that small moment is after you put the kids to bed, you sit down and you just relax for the evening with your cup of nicely brewed hot tea, you know. Mm, I feel warm. I feel warm just thinking (laughs) about that. So like it's, that's the job to be done for the filter. It's not all those other things, right? Those are just features that follow the benefits. I also think like the best part of marketing is telling your story and it works pretty well in SaaS, but I think it's even a better fit for e-commerce because most of the brands that you're 
buying from or talking about. The person who started that company, it's not a drop shipping company, right? Like take those out, take me trying to sell hoodies online out of the equation, right? right. And let's talk about you know the person who started that tea company. They were an entrepreneur who worked in some other industry for 20 years. And now they quit their job to start this business. Like The best copywriter is going to be that person because the best thing you could do is authentically tell that story to the world, not trying to spin up some brand promise. But I want to know, who are you? Why on earth do you have a tea business? Why are you making this? How did you get into this industry? How do you even make tea? Where does this come from? Yep. The... Companies that I see using that technique aren't taking it to the right kind of level, I guess. What I see happening a lot is brands will write their story. They'll tell their little, like, why I made this. Except it's not a little why I made this. It's seven paragraphs that are five to eight sentences each paragraph. And they shove all that into one email. And they send it out like, this is great. We're telling our story to our customers and we're connecting with them that's too much in one email. It's, it's a big block of text. Your customers aren't going to read it. It's a waste of time, of inbox real estate, and of your story. Like You aren't actually getting your story out there. So weaving the story of you and what you do into your overall messaging is really important. It is important to tell that story. Just don't like sit down and write the whole story and then hit send. It's not going to be one email that magically tells people that story. It's going to be, maybe that's a five sequence set of series of emails that somebody gets after they make the first purchase and it makes them feel better about why they bought your product. Because then you're going to tell them the story about it. And it's, hey, here's me in the factory, which is obviously not where I, I took this because I'm sending this email right now. But just to show you, it's really me. And, and they make me wear a hairnet, even though I'm bald, but I'm here. You know, like that's the real side of this. And I think that e-commerce copy gets kind of, not a bad rap, but it's definitely the like redheaded stepchild where everything's about the images. You know, we have to show our product. People want to see things. They want those highly stylized templated emails. We made these pants. We have to show all the features of them. That's great. But copy can tell that story too, along with the images. And there are times and places where you don't even need images to support your story. So whether it's your founder story or I got a really great email from Outdoor Voices. I had ordered a pair of leggings from them and I got them and I was like, oh, these are a little small. I don't, I don't think I'm going to keep them. And a couple of days after my, I think it was like the next day after my shipment arrived, I got an email that was entirely text and it said like, hey, we know that we've gotten feedback from our customers that these particular leggings that you ordered tend to run a little bit small. So if they are small on you, we'll happily exchange them for you. Like it was this totally text-based email that was like, hey, we're owning up to the fact that we've heard this. We haven't had a chance to change it in production. But you know, we want to tell you like, yeah, we're aware and here's what we're going to do about it. And that was great. You know, it's like there are times and places for text-driven emails. Not only that, but I can't tell you how many e-commerce brands, especially small ones that I get emails from, and I keep images turned off in my inbox just because I'm an email geek and I want to see what it looks like. And most of the time, they're horrible with images turned off. So not only for people who don't have images turned on, but also for an accessibility standpoint, you need copy to support what your images... Your images should support the text, really. Like They, they should work together to tell the story. It shouldn't just be one big image or, um, or, or all copy. They should work together. 
I'm obsessed with plain text emails and I, I want to tell a story on that in a second. But also you can just, it's not, you don't have to not use images, but you could flip where you use them, which is imagine it was a plain text email that looked like a note from a friend, but the PS was, and PS, here's how good this new color looks. And yeah. it's an image at the bottom of the email, right? It doesn't have to be the first thing in the email just because that's what Patagonia is. Well, spoiler alert, you're not Patagonia, right? Like right. that's the challenge. The email, the, the reason... I'm obsessed with plain text emails because I, I read this great old school copywriting book called The Boron Letters by a guy mm -hmm. named Gary Halbert. And he talks about, have you heard this story? He talks about the A pile and the B pile. So yep. basically think about every day you come home from work and you go to the mailbox and you open up your mail and it's really just a bunch of crap. It's magazines, it's flyers, it's mail. And then what do you do? Naturally, you go in your house, you put your keys on the table, you throw the pile of mail on the table and then you instantly, you start scanning it and you see there's this one uh, hand-addressed envelope that looks like it's from your Aunt Judy because on your birthday every year, she sends you 10 bucks, right? You're obviously going to split that pile aside and go open that that white envelope first. And like that's why plain text email can be so powerful because even though it seems obvious, very few companies are doing it because they're still too afraid to do it. They think that a branded email is the way you send email. And so half of marketing today is I think about getting... Uh, the opportunity to tell your story. And like, if you're crowded in an inbox with a hundred other brands saying, sending these highly designed emails, I want to be the one that's not because I know that I'm going to actually get a chance to talk to you and tell you the story. Yeah. And Gary Halbert's days, right? Like we didn't have email inboxes. So it's quite, and he's a direct sales guy. So quite literally the pile of mail. But if you think about your own inbox and, and this is where I think we get disconnected as marketers and as salespeople, we disconnect from who our customer is and what the customer experience is like for you. Like you have daily customer experiences and, you know, think about open your inbox. Like right now, open your inbox and look at what all the 85 emails that are in there and which ones stand out to you as the ones you're going to open first. They're the ones from names, you know, they're, um, you know, they're most likely not like brand names. They're, you know, they're people, they're human beings and they are written like they're your friend because they likely are. Um, like I saw your email and I opened it. I have 40 other emails, you know, and like brand emails aren't going to stand out. Um, not only that, and this is a bit of a debate in the email community, but there are, you know, Gmail has primary promotions, um, social folder. Promotions folder is not a bad place to be when you're a brand. It's a, it's a good place to be. A lot of customers want emails in the promotions folder that's, and they will drag you over there. And if you keep showing up in the main folder, they're going to mark you as spam uh, or just delete you or unsubscribe, which you don't want to do. So that said, having the occasional email that, sh that shows up like a, like a human being makes a big difference. So I think like people, some people think the promotions folder is spam folder. It's not, it's not spam. Um, it's a good place to be, but just know why you're in each folder and what your intention is behind your email. It's okay to be in the promotions folder, but you have to be the email that's going to stand out if you're in the promotions folder. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was, I was going to ask you this at the end, but I think this is actually a better segue. And then I have some other email stuff that I want to talk to you. But since we're talking about the challenge of email and getting into the inbox and getting opened, what do you think about the rise of, of SMS. We're, we're launching our text product. We're calling it Privy Text. We're launching that at the end of next month. And so I'm starting to really get into this space and, and learn a lot. But just curious from your perspective, not just on the role of copywriting, but the role of like 
touch points with customers. Where do you see email and, and, um, and text fitting together? Yeah, I actually just recorded a video about SMS and, and email um, with an experience that I had as a customer. So the, the long story short is that I used my phone number on the opt-in. So like as I was filling out the form to place the order, I entered my phone number at, along with my mailing address and everything else. Um, and the, there wasn't a checkbox to opt in to get texts. Um, and it was buried in the terms and conditions. If you watch the video, it's like I scroll my, it's on my phone. I scroll the terms and conditions. I had to add music behind the scroll on the video. That's how <laughs> long it was. I was like, this is too much silence. Um, so it's long, like it's, it's buried in there. That says, you know, by giving us your phone number, you agree to be receiving text messages from us. And if they're not invasive. They are shipment notifications, which I think is great. Um, the one problem is, is that it's a subscription and I didn't get any notification, SMS or email that I was, was going to be charged again. Um, and I think that this is a huge opportunity for subscri subscription companies, whether you're doing it with SMS or email, you have to tell people when their next order is coming up, especially when it's their second order, right? So they place their first order and whether it's a month, 60 days, 90 days, six months later, um, whatever your cycle is, you have to give them a heads up that their next order is coming. Um, Chewy does this really well. I actually just got the reminder email. Hey, your shipment's coming up. Um, do you want to, you know, do you want to make any changes? Do you want to add it to anything to it? It's great. They do a great job. And I think we could all learn from some of the bigger brands about, and some, not, not every big brand is getting it right, um, but some of them are. And we can really learn, you know, how to treat your customers with respect because what it just, it's not that I was upset. It's a toothbrush head. I need a new toothbrush head. It's coming. That's great. But I would have loved a heads up. Yeah, it was a $7 charge, but it, it doesn't matter how much it was. It matters about how it made me feel. So SMS is great for order notifications. Um, it's great for like flash deals. Uh, if that's something that they opt into, um, it is also really great for that kind of personal message. So if you like have a, a part of the welcome sequence, if you have a video that you made and you can send somebody an SMS link to a video of you talking to them and they get to look at you on their phone, just like they look at all their friends on Instagram and everything else that they're doing you become an instant friend of theirs. And now, you know, I can't, I can't buy hoodies from someone else once I've like seen your face on right. my phone. Right. I think that, I think you bring up the, the important point is like, it's a great new channel. You can totally screw it up. However, the one thing that's always going to be true is just because it's a new channel, the rule, you have to remember the rules of good marketing still apply. And so if you only use that channel for flash deals, people are going to just learn to tune that out yeah. where some of the best emails that, that like I've ever sent at, at companies that I've been at are emails that actually don't even have a, a call to action or don't even have an ask, right? Yeah. Which is just like every, every now and then you're just mixing in like the, Hey, 
just thinking about how some, you know, like there's some value add, just a, a random no ask touch or a question or a quote or something inspirational or whatever would be, would be amazing. Like imagine if the toothbrush company texts you some hilarious toothbrush fun fact. Did you know George Washington never brushed his teeth once? You know, like right. th- 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 that would be funny and fun. That would be and, great. And you um, don't have Valentine's to sell. Valentine's Day is coming up. If, if Chewy sent me a text message that was like, hey, we love you and Bruce, my dog, because they know my dog's name. Like that would be yeah. amazing. Or like, yeah. hey, will you tell Bruce how much we love him? Oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. And what, what would you do with that? You would screenshot that. You would, post, oh. you, would tw- you would tweet that. Everybody would share that. And so like, don't forget about those opportunities to, to delight people because in a world where most, most products are, are commodities today, like there's, you could buy, you know, dog stuff from really anywhere. Uh, say you could buy hoodies from anywhere. The way you're going to win is by building those, those little relationships. And by the way, if you do that right, then when you do have a flash sale, guess who's going to be more receptive to receiving that, right? The people That's that you right. just surprised and delighted. If, if email, if SMS, if any channel is only ever sales, it becomes white noise. And I was actually just reading about uh, J. Crew just hired a new CEO. And uh, her job is going to be to turn around J. Crew because they're losing money left and right. They rebranded in 2018, and they basically rebranded to a discount company. They offer nonstop sales all the time, and it's deep discounts quite often. And it became white noise to their customers. Nobody knows when to shop because they feel like everything's going to go on sale tomorrow anyways. Um, and they don't, they also, I mean, they have some other problems like, you know, what their image is and who cares about cardigans anymore and all that. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, so they've, they've got some like over overall problems, but I think one of their biggest ones is the, the perception of the brand. And, you know, if all you do is talk about discounts in your emails and if you're sending daily emails with discounts, um, that's, it's very problematic. You just become white noise. And if it, at best people are ignoring you at worst, they're unsub- well, the medium they're unsubscribing and at worst they're marking you as spam because that's a, essentially what you are. It's up to, it is up to the inbox what's spam, but it's also up to the consumer what's spam. Love it. Shout out to you, Bruce. We should have Bruce on the show sometimes. <laughs> I know. Okay, sometimes I have- he wanders in while I'm talking. Bruce. Come on in, Bruce. I have some, um, I have some tactical email stuff. So I want to, okay. this is like free consulting. Hopefully you don't send me a bill after this, but um, okay. <laughs> That's what, people don't listen to enough podcasts, man. Cause like it's full, there's full of free consulting. Oh, out there. I actually, one of my biggest rants is like, you can learn anything, especially if you're, uh, I mostly talk about marketing and like between audible YouTube and podcasts, like you can get really smart about anything today. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like if I, and the way that I do that is if I become a fan of yours, cause I heard you on the show, then I just go to my podcast app and I type your name and I try to find, listen to two or three other episodes. And this is the real stuff. So, all right, here we go. So the, the two biggest challenges, I think, at least I've heard in my first month and a half in this space. So I'm totally an expert now. Um, basically <laughs> is, um, you know, the two biggest challenges in e-commerce are number one is getting that first initial purchase, right? Yeah. That's the big hurdle. And then after that, getting repeat purchases. So it's mm-hmm. not, you know, you talked about the concept of SaaS and MRR before. So take me to, let's talk about the first one. First purchase. What is your ideal email flow? So I've, I've just bought that first hoodie. Now what? What do you want to see from a, from a great email strategy that happens after that? Just focusing on that first purchase. Cool. Yeah. So can we actually back up before the actual first purchase? Yes. Um, so somebody joins your email list, right? They, 
um, they see you, they see your Instagram ad, they hear about your brand from a friend and they think the only way I'm going to remember this is if I put my email address on, in their, their list and they'll, they'll email me and remind me. So first of all, actually email them when, uh, when they give you your, their email address, uh, especially if they have never purchased from you before. Um, they, that non-purchaser list should be its own segment. They should be getting um, a welcome email. And that welcome email is just that. It's that, hey, thanks for coming by. You can put a video in there. Um, don't talk about your products. Don't talk about all of the features and you know the 65 different styles of pants that you sell. They don't care right now. They care that you showed up in their inbox. Um, maybe your email opt-in had some kind of discount promise, which is like we could, that's for a different show, I think. Um, but uh, you know, deliver on your promise, whatever it was, um, and and then leave, and then come back uh, the day, the next day, two days later, um, with a little bit more information. Maybe this is where you start to tell that brand story. Um, this is where you start to talk about your customers' stories. Like customer-driven content is huge. Let them see themselves with your product, using it. Let them see themselves in your customer's shoes and continue to show up in their inbox, not every single day and not with coupon after coupon until they make a purchase, but show up and in a meaningful way for them. Um, typically, that's through building a relationship and carrying on a conversation. Ask them questions, send them surveys, um, talk to them. And so, how, how much of how much of that is how much of that is like an automated um, series or sequence yeah. that you're that you're setting up? Like, is there some cadence of like <clears throat> there's three to five maybe scheduled emails? But because my question is like, where does where does that content fit in in one of those flows? Because I'm sure you might if if I you know if if I wanted to work with you, you would probably come up with a three to five you know email ser- three to five email email series for something. But mm-hmm. what about that other path that you mentioned? Like, where does the role of like a newsletter or just hey we we wrote this article or we have this video? Like, where does that fit in that flow? Yeah. So I always think keep people out of your regular newsletter sequence while they're in this kind of welcome sequence. Um, I have a framework called the dinner party strategy. And this is where the email from you kicks off is like you invite, when you invite somebody to come over to your house for a dinner party, you don't greet them with a full plate of dinner at the door. And like, here's a fork, dig in. Um, you know, <laughs> you, pretty true. right? Like you, you set the scene, you um, open the door for them. You give them a welcome. Um, you take their coat, get them a drink. You show them around a little bit. You let them know where the bathroom is. You offer them a seat. You have a conversation. Then you serve appetizers, which are like little teasers of the meal. Um, you know, once the appetizers are served, then you sit down and you serve the main course. You have side dishes, you have dessert. Um, and then maybe everyone had a great time and you invite them to come back. And you can do the same thing with email. And in a welcome sequence, that kind of framework works really well to say like, hey, welcome. Welcome to our space, our little corner of the internet. And here's who we are. And it's great to meet, great to see you here, you know, like welcome to our living room. And then uh, serve an appetizer, like give them a little bit about your brand, your mission, your, your team, like who's going to answer their support tickets when they write in. Um, who, if you have some kind of give back program, who's benefiting from that? Uh, then, then you get to talk about your product. So now you can start to talk about the benefits of the product. Now, again, we're never talking features. 
Um, but talking about the benefits of the product and and what other customers are getting from it. Um, serve the side dishes of you know how how people are pairing things together. Maybe you sell clothes and you can give them some style guides. Um, like, what do I do with this T-shirt? Well, you can like this girl knotted the bottom, and you could style it with a blazer, or you could you know wear it over top of a dress, or you know there's all kinds of options. But don't just show them the shirt. Show them how they can live in it. Um, and then that's when you can start to invite them. Maybe at that point you can, if, if a coupon is what makes sense for your customers, you offer them that. Um, but make the direct ask to like, can, can we consider you part of our family? Um, and then that's where you get that first purchase coming into play. So now I love can answer that. your question. I love, I, love the, I, love, <laughs> I love the analogy though. The dinner party analogy is great. Somebody walks in, you say, here's your food. You're like, wait, this is what I came here for. Right. On the like, flip side, you have to not be afraid to email people because you don't want to invite somebody in. And then for two hours, they're wondering like, are we ever going to have dinner here? Like what, what's going exactly. on? So I, yeah. I, I, th- I, I love that. Um, that's a clip we're going to cut. Don't worry. The dinner party, Val's dinner party strategy, which is great. Cool. Um, what about repeat purchases? So that's first okay. time. Now, so now I bought something from you. Yep. So they made their purchase. Uh, this is where I think almost everyone is doing themselves a disservice. You've, you have to email people in between the purchase and it, uh, its arrival, especially if you don't have two-day shipping. Um, and I, I'm a, an advocate for not having two-day shipping from a like, sustainability, um, you know, save the world standpoint. Um, it's problematic. And uh, again, that's a whole other episode here. But uh, I, I think if you, if you have like a standard three to seven day shipping, you've, you've got to send something. Everybody's relying on those transactional emails for that first purchase. And nobody wants to say anything until the, the product arrives. But there's a real thing called buyer's remorse that happens whether you walk out of a store with the product in your hands or you hit buy. And especially if you're clicking buy at one o'clock in the morning and then waking up and going, oh, I shouldn't have bought that thing. But then if you as the brand show up in their inbox and start telling the story of your brand, start talking about um, what your customers are doing, give them something that they can hold on to that says, I am part of this, that makes them feel connected to something other than the fact that we have your money now. Thanks. See you when the product gets there. I love it because I think I think what what it also does is it 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 takes the mystery out, right? You're, instead of letting your customer wonder, you can basically get ahead of that. And one of the best marketing and copywriting lessons is basically to address any objections or or address any confusion or mystery upfront, so they don't think about it. And so instead of like the only notifications I get are 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 you know UPS or, or FedEx tracking, it's an opportunity to say, hey. You, you know, like, what if that was pictures of you? What if you actually went to wherever that gets shipped, if you can do that, and you're taking pictures of like an order going in a box? And obviously, this is not your order, but it's to show you. Right. And then two days later, you get an email that's filled with customer testimonials of people who's, who, you know, who, who ha- are pain-free because they started using the CBD oil that you're expected to get. And like, that makes you feel good. And, and you're turning something like, sure, I'll wait five days, but if you're going to build, you got to continue to build up excitement. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I, I come from a world of B2B and, and one, one of the things we did a lot was events. And 
the funny part is it's after somebody buys a ticket to your event is actually when you need to start marketing harder because you need to, you need to get them to show up. And I think that's the same thing where, where if the only things I have are the tracking reminders and then me going to look at my credit card statement and saying like, why did I spend a hundred bucks last night at midnight? Mm -hmm. Then I don't have any control as a, as a brand. But if you can get inside my head and get me more excited about the thing that I'm going to get, then, then, you know, you can, you can be super successful. And that's where it's important to know like what matters to your customers and what that job is that they have to be done with your product. Um, you know, I, I worked with a bone broth company and encouraged them to send in between the two product notifications, um, sending an email full of recipes, like get them ready. Hey, it's time to go grocery shopping. You're going to need these things to make this soup and we're sending the broth. You go get the rest. And by the time you get home from the grocery store, the broth will be on its way. And, you know, like that kind of, we're in this together kind of feeling. Um, I love that. And even just, or even just being obvious, like I promise is sorry for the wait. I promise this is going to be totally worth it. Like, yeah. 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 That's Everybody funny. sends me a uh, native deodorant has their, their, their email that I get sent about once a month. Somebody says like, have you seen this email? And it's like, um, Hey, we're doing a happy dance in, in our home office and you're, package is being shipped, you know, it's packaged up very carefully and the tissue paper is being folded and it kind of walks you through this whole experience. And uh, I love it. And and there's a reason people send it to me on a monthly basis. I love that. But every company could replicate that just based on what your business is. Okay. I, what, what we, we got to go one, 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 one ish question. Okay. We talked about a lot of good stuff. Give me one Give me one email that most brands are sending that they should probably stop sending. Mm. That's a good one. Um, Cause it's, it's actually not really just one email, but it's the like brands that are just nonstop sending promotional. Um, mm. Just stop. Like, first of all, um, segment your list so that you can understand, like if people aren't opening those, if they aren't interacting with those, you need to start doing um, some kind of, uh, re-engagement sequence or something to, to reconnect with those customers. Uh, but I think it's the, the emails that are really about you. Like a, a coupon code is not about the customer. It really isn't. And, and even, I know I'm a marketer as a customer, so I'm a tough sell, but even non-marketers are very savvy to the fact that you giving me 20% off is ultimately about you. Um, like you're still getting me to make a purchase and it's, uh, it's a hundred percent off if I don't spend the money. Right. So, um, I, I know that it's about you. And so those emails that are only about you, they, it's not that they shouldn't exist. I'm not saying coupons shouldn't exist, but they should, you should consider how often you're sending them. And how much more powerful they can be if you do the things that you're talking about, about building relationships and then ask. Yeah, And every fifth email is the ask as opposed to every email is the ask. Cause then it's like, whoa, you sent me recipes. You sent me behind the scenes. You sent me a YouTube series about how to do this thing. Then you happen to come in my inbox with an offer. Even if I'm not ready for that, that offer is not going to piss me off. Right. Or save the offer for the second purchase. You know, give the discount to the people who are actually investing in you in the first place. Um, so think about if it's really necessary or not. I think we have, uh, have done consumers a disservice in training. Like so many people talk about like, well, I'll just put it in my cart and then they'll send me a, a, a cart abandoned email later. And, you know, uh, I know so many people who just like wait for that cart abandoned email and if they don't get it, they're not going to buy. 
Yeah. We have done consumers a disservice in training them to do it. And we have to, we have to turn it around. We have to train people to want to have a brand experience and not just a discount. Yeah, and I think I think people have proven that, right? We're, we're willing to spend more and spend time with. I mean, think about what you said, right? You obviously care about the environment, and you you're not a proponent of two day shipping, and so you're willing to wait longer to get what you think is a better experience. And I think that's true for 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 anybody. You want to spend more and spend more time with companies that you believe in and and have a real relationship with. And I think to me, that's the coolest part about the opportunity with e commerce companies, D 2 C brands is you can tell your story and really let that be the whole marketing. You don't have to come up with a cool hook. You don't have to come up with some crazy spin and some crazy story. Like it can be about you and the business that you're building and why you're doing it. Yeah. I think it's what makes e-commerce so special. Uh, Not that SaaS isn't special, but like software is something that lives on your computer that yes, maybe it helps you be more productive throughout the day or get your job done or whatever, but it's not something that you're holding. It's not something tangible that at the end of the day, you know, you, how many times a day do you look at your, not just your phone, but your phone case, if you have a case on it, you know, or um, the, your favorite coffee mug or uh, the sweater that you pull on that makes you feel like super cozy. Like all those things relate to a brand and uh, giving that overall brand experience from email to like the product, everybody focuses on the product being great. Everything about the brand experience has to be great, especially in a saturated market, like every single market is today. Amen, Val. Okay, I think that's a good place to stop. I could talk to you for two hours, but like, yes. unfortunately, that's not how life works. Maybe we'll do a part two and we'll hang out at some point in the future. So where can people find you? Uh, what do you want to plug other than your your Twitter handle? Yeah, sure. So I do have a uh, burgeoning YouTube channel. Uh, I watched it. I was in a, I was in an Uber to a meeting the other day and I got car sick because I was watching your email about how somebody, you bought a product from somebody and they hadn't, you basically opened it that day and they sent you like, please rate our product. And it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, maybe send the, send that request for a review after I've used it. Um, <laughs> so you have a YouTube channel. I do. I do have a YouTube um, and it's email uninboxing. Uh, and then you can also find me at fixmyturn.com. It's our brand and uh, where we work with companies um, focused on monthly recurring revenue. So typically D2C uh, subscription-based e-commerce and SaaS. We work with brands on their email campaigns and that whole overarching customer messaging experience. And, uh, and then Twitter, that's, that's where we hang out. Uh, we hang out. Love Val Geisler on Twitter. Love it. Val, you're awesome. I hope I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. If you like this episode, which if you didn't like it, you should just hang yeah. up and unsubscribe <laughs> because there's too much free knowledge given in this. I have pages of notes that I'm going to take with me after this. So yeah. if you like this episode, I would love a review because it helps us get more people finding the show. And it also, when I reach out to other cool guests like Val, I'm like, check out how many reviews this show has. We're very credible. So leave me a review. It would be amazing. And shout out Val on Twitter for some of the copywriting tips that she dropped. So we're out of here. Val, thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Bye.